0: Good. Well, we're going to continue our study. Uh, It's the lesson three in the book of Titus. It's a little epistle, and it's only three chapters long, and you can go online, and you can listen to uh, previous messages. It's called an expositional teaching. I teach a lot of different ways. This is probably my least favorite way to teach, I'll just be honest with you, but I love the Word of God, because in the Word of God, there's pleasure, there's honor. Uh, there's obedience, and when we obey the Word of God, God blesses us. And, uh, but I, I do it from time to time. I do an expositional teaching because we just need a different diet sometimes. And here's this little book, and to some it would seem kind of a little dull or boring. It's not the hottest topical biblical series because I love to preach the Word of God. But for some time I've been sensing this is what the church needs to hear, and I'm getting a lot of great response. So just dig in with us. If you're new, we're in chapter 2 today. Turn to page ten fifty two. Probably won't help you, but if you have my Bible, it will. And uh, and we'll we'll look there together at God's holy Word and talk about building a strong foundation in Jesus Christ. Titus two verses one through fifteen. We'll try to cover that together. He talks about building, having, developing a healthy church. Now, how do you do that? Well, Titus here, he's instructed by the Apostle Paul. He says, you know, you need to have sound, healthy doctrine. And a lot of times when you hear people, they go, man, doctrine, I don't know about that doctrine stuff. That's kind of heavy, or, or, or doctrine divides. Oh, doctrine does divide. That is true. But true, biblical, pure doctrine strengthens the church. It strengthens the life of a Christ follower. And in, some, in one way it divides, it divides, as Scripture says, it divides the wheat from the chaff. It divides the sheep from the goat. It divides the unbeliever from the believer. If somebody talk, calls you a goat, they're not calling you a good name. You know what I'm saying? And if they call you chaff, you don't want to be in that camp. You want to be in that camp with a redeem that you're on the Lord's team. You're on His side. You're following Him and you're purposing to be healthy. Now, let's look there at chapter 2, verse 1. He says, you must teach what is in accordance with sound doctrine. In other words, this doctrine here, this sound teaching, I want you to teach these things, not the concepts or the psychological data of the day and there's a place for psychology I absolutely agree with that but he says i want to ingrain the life of holy scripture of teaching into the life of a christ follower into the life of the church i want it to be healthy because if you will put the sound doctrine in you It will change you and it will transform you. Here it is. Number one, teach sound doctrine because it will change you. It will transform you. It gives you a renewed mind. It gives you the parameters of Holy Scripture. It gives you hygiene, clean living, healthy living, life that lifts up Christ and puts down the flesh. Um, this doctrine here, he was trying to say, look, there's already things going on. There's beliefs, there are practices, they're erroneous, they're false, they're wrong. So I want you to get congruent with the book, with the word. And if you'll do that, something good can come into your life. And here's what he would say. Sound the alarm, because I want the church to know that there are false teachers out there among you. There are wolves out there dressed in sheep's clothing, and they're not of my father's choosing. But they have propagated their own ideas, ideology, and I want to get you to return to truth. And fill it in with me. Right teachings lead to righteous living. That sounds a little like, man, that's a little self-righteous. That's a pompous statement. No. When we follow the oracles, the commands, the precepts of God, righteousness is the fruit. Righteousness is the result. And God says, I want you to live a right and godly life in Christ Jesus. And if you do that, my son will be elevated in his highest position. He'll be elevated over the church and over your life. And if he does that, and if he's lifted up, I will draw all the rest, all men unto myself. But a lot of times we don't exalt Christ. We just live what we want to. So he says here, uh, Jesus said one day, he says, some are going to choose Not to obey my teachings. Some are going to choose that uh, they're not going to equally receive the good news of the gospel. They're going to mount up in opposition against me. Jesus said that. And today in 2009, people are still mounting up. And he goes, but then there will be another group. And that group will literally cherish, honor the word of God. They will love God. They will love Christ's saints. They'll love the church. They'll love righteous living. And they'll go for it. Because biblical doctrine always pins down truth it gives parameters in which to live it gives a pattern for your life to take shape if you were a seamstress you would get a a pattern to make something oh we've got a pattern it's called a divine pattern it's called god's holy word i encourage you every weekend to be a person of the book to begin to read because truth and doctrines and teachings are synonymous with the word of god in the early part of the church years hundreds of years ago The Pope and his delegates spoke for the church and the dogmas of the church. And there was a guy later, a few hundred years later, his name was Martin Luther. And he came and began to say, hey, the church, the Bible is for everyday man. We can understand the Word of God. And in it, it contains the words of eternal life. But there's ignorance. And many times I meet people in our church, in a community church, they come from all kind of theological persuasions, sometimes confusions. And as they come in, they don't know what the doctrine or what the dogmas of faith say. So one of my responsibilities and the responsibilities of our elders and our teachers is to ground us in Scripture, that we follow the teachings, that we become a recipient of God's Word. If I ever quit teaching this book, you're through. I'm through. We need to close the doors because this is the only thing that matters. Is that right, church? It's God's Holy Word. There's a lot of popular opinion out there that seems to draw a crowd, but we're trying to make disciples, as I said last weekend. So, let's look at it. We pass it along as I said on the video from generation to generation to the next generation. We have passed the torch of faith to our kids, and our kids to their kids, and their kids to their kids, and I passed the faith for many generations as a pastor of an intergenerational church. And we're to spread the good news, the gospel. Let's look at point 2. Older men are to be examples of maturity. He says here, it doesn't come, this older man thing here There's something I've learned about older men. Now, some writings will go, an older man is somebody over 60. Hallelujah! I'm not an old man yet. Y'all just call me old man. But I do feel I'm older. Because I found this about older men. As you get older, you have decreased energy. And all the older men said, "Your, your, your, your vision diminishes. Things get a little harder. You don't like change as much, and that'll mess you up at this church. But then there's another one. Besides that, you 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 don't like to adhere to a lot of change. But as you continue to go through that, you you just see that uh, you you can become more cynical, and that's a scary thing that we got to go. God, keep me open to the breath and to the life of the Holy Spirit and to creativity. Who do y'all think's the God of creativity this morning? God is. Let me tell you, Jason McHenry, I love Jason. And Amanda's here with cares back there. It's so awesome to see her. She's healthy. Put your hands together and praise God for Amanda and healthy. I am so glad you are here. Jason is, he's thinking outside the box. I got this quote back there in the conference room about trying to do things that nobody else is doing to reach people that nobody else is getting. And I'm serious about that. And Jason McHenry thinks I'm real serious about it. So he came up with this idea a while back. He decided to have this night of worship in here. That's what they called it. And, uh, and, and, and they have a tour coming up. Scream a prayer. That right there is a little bit scary to me anyway. Scream a prayer. And, and they filled this place one Sunday night. And they had all these teenagers that are turned off against the church. They've asked Jason if they could come back. Let me tell you what's awesome about it. Jason Henry... McHenry, our student pastor, he is going to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a group that never comes in here like this. I'm excited about it. He's thinking outside the box. Put your hands together. Now, I don't intend to be in here. It's a little bit, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I've been this leading edge guy. Now I'm 50. And now I'm going, whoa. And Jason, the other day, he goes, pastor, I love you. And I'm glad you're willing to accept that. And he just kind of looked at me. You are accepting? I said, yeah. And he's going to proclaim Jesus. And we need to pray as we get closer for that event. And then there's another event that wants to come here. I'm telling you, it's not about me. It's not about Jason. It's not about you. It's about those outside the walls of that church that they hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And we got to figure out how to reach them. And I can reach my generation and younger generations and older ones. But then there's just some groups, I don't get it. They don't get me. Does that mean we ought to give up? Heck no. Man, I'm glad for a man that's got vision. So he says here, the older generation. But let me tell you this. Get ready to write quickly. Six characteristics. They're sober-minded. They're clear-minded. They think clearly. They're level-headed. They don't operate in excess. They're temperate. They're not drinkers. They're not heavy drinkers. They're, they're, They're living free from intoxication. They're going after God. Their age, their maturity of faith... Marks the mark of Jesus Christ. It's distinguishing in their life. Point B, they're dignified, they're honorable, they discern more clearly, they use their time and energy more carefully than they did when they were young. I was asking God, I said, God, would you show me how to communicate that to the church that I love? And God gave me a nanosecond answer. He said a word that I've tried to drop from my vocabulary. I'm convinced this word came right out of the pit of hell. And when I tell you, and if you've ever done one, you'll know why. When I was a youth pastor for all those years, we had a a very exciting ministry and discipleship and missions and and fun events and, man, winning kids to Christ just all the time. But we had this thing that convinced me we could draw crowds and we could reach new kids, and we did. And, man, it worked havoc on my body. It was called a lock-in. And I was so crazy. One year I did six in one year. Donna says, you're verifiably and standing there's no way, baby. And I remember the last year, the year when I was 37 years old, the year that we started this church, that spring I decided to have a lock-in. I didn't know it was going to be my last, but it was. And I closed the book. No more lock-ins. And if Jason came to me today and says, Keith, I need you to help me with this and this, i go, Jason, I will. But if he said lock-in, i go, I've already prayed about it. It's not God's will for me. Later. Because lock-ins, you go as hard as you can, you eat as much food and sugar and pizza as you can, you eat some more, you do games, you do activities, you try to separate the guys from the girls because they'll try to find each other in the 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's absolutely crazy. But you know what? Now, the idea of that, I just think, what were we thinking? We were thinking about reaching kids for Christ. But now as I look back, I'm like, no. I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to let the younger generation. You know what? I, I'm going to be a little more careful and selective with my time. You know, some of you all know what I'm saying. Some of you are like, well, I don't know. So you used to? I could, uh, I could work all week, get on an airplane Friday morning, go speak all weekend, get up at 4.30 Sunday morning and fly home and speak Sunday morning. I did that as a 25, 30-year-old, 34-year-old, never thought twice about it. I think about it now and I just go, I'm going to go take a nap. I mean, I man, my body. It just it, it's failing, and so is yours. But he says they're older, they're more mature, they're sober. Well, that's a good thing to be in the church. Sober, they're dignified, and he goes, They're self-control, they're disciplined, they control their physical passions, they reject the worldly influences, they reject the flesh, they reject the standards of this world. D. They're sound in faith, they don't fold, they know God, can be trusted in every way. And I'd write in here, has God been faithful to you? God was faithful to me this week. He was faithful to give me health care. He gave me an excellent caring group of community of professionals over at Baptist East to receive me and give me drugs. Thank you, Jesus. He got me through that. He gave me a loving wife. He gave me a staff. He gave me all this. He got me through that. He let me deliver God is faithful to me. He's been faithful to you. Bless him for it. Praise him. But he says here, they're sound in faith. They don't fold. They hang on. E, they're sound in love. They overcome with more love. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens. And in so bearing, you so fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. When we bear each other's burdens, we bless Jesus. We bless the kingdom. We carry the gospel. So if we're born of God, we will love more. Mature men and women do that. He's he's talking here, though, about older men be mature. F. He says, be sound and steadfast. Don't be shaken. Don't fall to the side. Have the ability to endure hardship. You see, sometimes disappointment and failure comes to us. And he says, but mature men, they somehow can rise up and they've seen the perspective of God and they've seen the faithfulness of the Father and of the Eternal One and they hang on. I was asking God, I said, God, can you show me how to illustrate how I've seen who I need to hang on and be steadfast and not give up on what you've given us? He took me to the early years of the church. We were at AUM. The church was exploding. We were in new work in Montgomery. We were still to this day, I think we're probably the most contemporary edgy church in, in the region. But I, but God showed us what to do. And we were growing. And everywhere I went, people were asking about the church. And we were just renting the nursing hall at AUM. And we were raising money to buy property. And we were looking at property. And we went out to Taylor Road. never will forget. Every time I ride by it, to go to my alma mater to see Hannah, I think about it. There was 19 acres on Taylor Road that was beautiful. There was nothing but some estate homes and more land. And there was 19 acres and you would ride in and then you would start up a hill. And sitting up on the top of that meadow was where the church was going to sit. And right behind the church there was a pond for baptisms and for fishing and for pushing people in. And it was going to be fun. And I thought, man, that's where the church is going to be. And we had a city planning meeting. Cad and others remember that. We had to get a a $1,500 oil rendering. It sits back in my back cave. I'll never show it to anybody because we didn't build that. But but we had to go in there and present our case. And that night they voted down Christ Community Church. I took that print and I walked down the street of downtown Montgomery disappointed, rejected, upset with God. I said, God, why have you done? We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen your church go, God. What is going on? God, you're certainly in charge. I don't understand, God. I just look like a dummy in front of my peers, God. And God says, I'm in charge. But let me tell you how great God is. We got on another pursuit of land. I was getting a little attitude. I ain't got no pond. It don't look very good. Whatever. We sure need something. Everybody's complaining about setting up camp every week at AUM for two and a half years. And we rode out here. I walked out here, came out here, and I said, That's flat. That's pretty. Saw red clay. They said, You can build cheap out here, preacher. I went, That's good. And I looked over here, sitting right out there. There was a a trailer, and there was an abandoned car, and there was a satellite dish that came with Noah. And the first sound, I went, Oh, Lord God, you have delivered me into the wilderness for 40 years. And and at this time, I'm late 30s, and I'm thinking, I'm going to die certainly before anything happens out here on Ryan Road. But we made a decision. We knew it was a great location. We thought, it'll be good. It'll be good. They're like, Ryan Road, that's that crooked road? It's like, yeah, that's that crooked road. They go, you that little church in the country? I go, yeah, we the little church in the country, but not for long. We're just going to hold on. God put us out here, but our God had infinite wisdom. He happened to bring this thing called East Chase. Then God built Chantilly Parkway. And did you know what's happening in the morning? Now listen, listen to me carefully. We're having church the next two weeks, okay? Bring your tithes, bring your offerings, and bring your fanny, and bring your Bible. But you can't come in from this side. This will be closed because there's progress. They're widening Ryan Road, they're closing it all. Yeah, that's good, isn't it, baby? But over here, you're going to have to go around and come down Chantilly and come back in Vaughan. But you can get to church, okay? If we have to, we'll get some parking ushers down there, Sean. Let's figure it out. But, hey, we're going to have church. But there's progress. But you see, our God is faithful. Our God is mature. And if we'll trust God, God will see his way. Amen, church? And right now, everybody's like, man, you've got the most incredible location for a church. I go, isn't God good? And one day we might even have a little water out there. I don't know. I'm just, I got this thing about water. I don't know. Just the thought. Anybody got a backhoe? Start digging. Isn't that right, Brother Mike? All right, here we go. So sound and steadfast. Now let's talk about old women. <laughs> there's four things we need to know about old women. And I'm not <laughs> there's five. Number one, leave them alone. All right, Nick, let's close in prayer. That was pretty good. You're right. When when my stepmama turned, oh, my nephew's in here. Ron, don't you tell her this. I'll shoot you, son. Where's he at? Is he still in here? Good. He's in last service. I can say it. Okay. When when my stepmama turned 70, we could argue, and I decided I can't change a 70-year-old woman's mind. We never argue now. We get along great. Okay, here we go. Next. All right, old women. Here it is. Number A. They're reverent in behavior. That's what scripture says. Be reverent. Be worthy of respect. Be priest-like women. Be godly. Be an example of a Hannah. Be a godly woman in Christ Jesus. Walk in faith. Luke chapter 2 verse 37. Write down the reference. It's about the life of Anna. And she was a godly, holy woman unto the Lord. Point B. Women. Don't be slanderous. Don't be a malicious gossip, one that abuses verbally, that takes down the church, that takes down relationships, that poisons other people. Don't do that. It says in the Greek, they're diabolous. It means from diabolical. We get the word devil. Don't be like that. Don't be a uh, double tongue. Don't be split, talking on this double talk. Do the right thing. See, older women, don't be enslaved to addictive behavior. This might be drinking or alcoholism or time or deeds. Don't be in prison of these things. Make Christ your way of escape from distress and hardships of this life. And then he says, oh, to women, D, teach that which is good and right and profitable and honorable. And they'll bring glory to Jesus Christ. In other words, women, intentionally shape the people under your influence. I'm grateful to the men that we have in our church. We have a lot of men at Christ Community Church. And I'm thankful for every man But I am so thankful for the women, and I'm thankful for the women across the globe and across America. And there's so many of us that probably came to faith because of the leadership of a mama or an aunt or a grandmother. And women, I remember our girls when they were young, Donna took them to Bible study fellowship, and they could come here today and tell you the stories of faith and the things that they'd learned through that experience with their mom and the things they learned at her knee. Oh, of course, I taught them many things, but I'm thinking a woman has incredible shaping opportunities because the woman is with the boy, the boy and the girl so much longer. Would you agree, church? There's some other cases, but the women, they have more opportunities with them. And that's why they throw them to us quickly when you come home. And, and they say, hey, give me some help. We teach our children. And look at the blank here. Start. Home life is an advertisement for the gospel. I go in some homes, they're chaotic. The house is a mess. The woman's a mess. The kids are screaming. Man, food's hanging on the wall. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be there. I mean, man, it's just, it's out of control. And you go in some homes and there's order and there's peace and the love of Christ is flowing there. And it's an advertisement for Jesus and what order looks like. And they reveal, and, and I got to say this to you. I didn't do did this last time and I got to hit it. Dads, listen to me carefully. I'm going to say this with as clear as I know how. Men, we have a responsibility to dress our wives or to speak into their life and to let our daughters dress in a modest fashion to the glory of Jesus Christ. Not for our daughters to go out revealing everything they've got that only their husbands should see. And the church said a big, I'm so tired of people like, "Well, if you got it, baby, show it. No, 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 no. Where would that come from? That came from the pit, okay? You're saying, you're just shucking it down to the cob. That's because I go to some churches like, my goodness, that woman, she needs to get some clothes on, you know? When we were at AUM, we were getting so many people in that church, people I'd never seen, they'd never seen me. And I never will forget, we had had a a church that went like this. It was like the Oprah show. I would stand down here, and it would be the floor. It was really a cool place to preach. And and I would sit back up about the eighth row or something. I didn't sit. I don't don't sit now. I just kind of walk around. I'm high-fiving Jesus and the Holy Spirit and talking to people, you know, worshiping God. And there was this woman. She was about down here. So it's kind of sloped like this. Well, oh, the crazy woman, her husband, he should have known better. She wore a dress to hear. Now, we've never been a non-expressive church at Christ Community. When you raise your hands up, girls, can you all tell me what happens? Mm-hmm, okay. It caused chaos at AUM one Sunday. And they came to me, Pastor, what you going to do about it? Well, first of all, I don't want the woman to think I was looking. <laughs> I said, you gonna address it. You go back there and tell her. And we finally got her husband got him counseling. But the bottom line is, we got, we got to do it right. Am I helping you older women? Am I helping you older men? You're like, well, I can't believe he said that. This kind of stuff needs to be said from the platform of God's house. Instead of just going out there and going, you know, I'm, you know, I like it, man. Like, whatever. You like carnality, too. Here you go. So we, we do what is Christ like. We, we honor here. They're, they're reverent. They're not slanders. They're not addicted. They're teaching. Four. Let's look at four quickly. Young men are to live wisely in all they do. Young men, you're not excused here. You're to be wise. You're to be an example. You're to make a mark. You're to make an impression on the house of faith, on young believers, on, on converts, on the unbelieving world. You're even speaking to the life of older men. And i got to tell you right now, guys. We've got some men in this church. Ben Trent, God bless you. I love you, brother. Adams Riley, I love you, son. Ian, I love you, son. I could go through this church and I can name young men that love Jesus Christ unashamedly. And the house of God said, amen. amen. It's awesome. I want more young men that love Christ. Like, well, they're young. You know, they're just going to do what they'll do. And they're going to sow their oats. Who gave you that theology? Oprah? Let's get some theology from Jesus, okay? I mean we got we gotta get after you So, man, you you're passionate about this. I tell you, I got a new anointing this morning. I got a stone out of my body, I'm ready to go. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right. Number 10. Here or number 10. Ten areas to be self controlled in. Hold on, man. Here it goes. Young men, I'm fixing to stick you. I've picked on old men, old women, young men. Here's your turn. And that's anybody under 60. Really, I think it's anybody in the house. Number one, emotionally be self control. Be in check with your emotions. Holy Spirit, would you bring my emotions under control? And you go, man, that's not like a woman concept. Well, women do tend to be more emotional, but men, we have emotions too, and we need to surrender those to the king. Number two, this is critical. You'll get this, sexually, be controlled, young men. Get this down. Somebody once said it's like this. It says, there's a beast in my basement. Slam that beast down. Don't crack the door. Don't let the beast out of the basement until the appropriate time when you go into a marriage covenant and you can honor that righteously in a righteous manner. God says, be sexually pure. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Keep the door locked by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the third one. Financially. Be self-controlled financially. And I got to thinking, what can I say about this? Spend the money that God entrusts to you wisely. Be a good steward of the resources He brings your ways. And then I just got a couple of points. Here's point A. Commit to becoming debt-free. For some of you are like, debt-free? Man, that's my middle name, debt. No, no, no. It didn't have to be. If you'll start right now, right, Mark and Pam Gassaway? They lead our uh, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. I'll tell you right now, I'm so proud of... Uh, 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 Adam and Melissa and and, and I got uh, um, Clint and Lacey that sit here on the front row. They went through FPE with us. There's so many young couples. They're learning to operate with God's standards at a young life before they make a lot of mistakes. So commit to being debt-free. Point B, start paying the Lord God first. Bring it. Bring it, church. Bring your tithe. 10%. Lord, I give this back to you. I return it in faith, Lord Jesus. And then save 10 The 10, 10, 80 tithe 10, save 10, live on 80. If you do this, you will be blessed and you will be able to respond to needs in the house of God. Amen? But you say, well, I can't respond to nothing, I'm too broke. Well, you don't have to stay there. And here's here's point uh, C, add no new debt. I know you're, well, man, you know what? If you saw that TV, I saw, I need that TV. Well, you all see that car. Hey, don't talk to me about a car. I ain't even got a car right now. I saw my car the other day and I'm looking. In in the price range that I'm committed to spending right now, it's hard to find a car. But I'm committed to this principle because I know my God is faithful and true. And God's people said, you're crazy. No, it's God's way. I'm just telling you, church, I'm I'm trying to help you. I want you to avoid some pitfalls indeed. Develop a plan. Once you develop a plan, stick to it. Who said sticking to it is going to be easy? How many of you went to college and wanted to quit? How many went to graduate school and wanted to quit? How many got married and wanted to quit? Oh, you hypocrite. Yeah, how many did, how many had kids who wanted to quit? Yeah, man, life, you just want to quit sometimes, don't you? I know some of you are like, mama, you want to quit? Well, yeah, yeah, I'd want to quit too if you were my son. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. (laughs) Just, Just a joke. It'll be okay. Here we go. Relationally. Here it is. Be secure relationally. Choose good friends. Corinthians says bad company corrupts character. Five, educationally. Get as much education as you can. My daddy once told me, he said, son, get education. Nobody never take it away from you. There's nothing wrong with getting education. Six, occupationally. Choose the right job. Pursue God's direction for your life. Work hard. Lay it on the line. Glorify God through your work. And I've got to give you something here real quick. i gotta, I got to move through this quickly. But the Holy Spirit won't let me go of this. As I was up the other night with this stone, and I couldn't sleep, and I was praying, I was up and down, and... And I was flipping to the TV, and Joyce Meyer comes on every channel in every language. I mean, it's—I don't know about every language, but she comes on, and I'd flip it to be Joyce, and I'd flip it to be Joyce, and be flipping. So, by the time it was over with, I heard the whole message, and uh, and she said some things that I was already struggling with, and I was uh, really crafting in my spirit, man, and for today. So here it is: ways we can honor God, because this this whole thing is God wants us to to honor Him. And uh, I think I just got ahead of myself. Hey, let, let me finish this outline. Am I on point seven? Let me do that and we'll come back. Okay. I'm sorry. It happens every other week. Don't worry about it. Recreationally, learn to play, play with balance, Eight. spiritually be diligent. Walk with Jesus, pursue him, let him search your heart, develop a spiritual plan. Nine dietetically, uh, begin to eat healthy for the glory of the King. About six months ago, I was going to do a wedding. I went in to get a shirt. I've got a lot of suits. I know you find that hard to believe, but I do. And I went in to put one on and I got this shirt on and I buttoned it and, uh, I did this, and I did that, and I was absolutely miserable, so I faked it, and I undid that, and I tied it, and the tie looked pitiful. You, you man, you know when we tie a tie, and it looks pitiful, and everybody knows it? Yeah, you've been there. And uh, so Donna, a little bit later, she goes, baby, you ready to go? She goes, what are you doing? That looks pitiful. I said, oh, yeah, so I tried to fake it, You know, I did that, you know, and we walked out. She goes, what are you doing? Fix your shirt. I said, well, uh, it ain't going to happen. I said, I've gained some severe weight in my neck, so I lost a little weight after that. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, that's why I go to church here, because you don't wear coats and ties. Okay, all right. so recreationally, spiritually, dietetically, here's the tenth one, physically. Exercise the temple of God, get off the couch, hit the gym, get some exercise. Verses 9 and 10, it begins to talk about slaves, and the Roman Empire, Empire depended totally on slave labor. And and, and and here, he doesn't forbid slavery, even though there's a lot of sin issues in that. So so he doesn't go against that, and he doesn't make a judgment about fairness and morality of slavery here. I'm grateful for a guy named Wilberforce Wilbur later, the whole amazing grace thing that eliminated some slavery. But here he goes... Here's a principle, I want you to see the deeper meaning. Christ is the ultimate overseer of our lives. And in this, we honor God in our work. And he says here, slaves, honor your master. Get ready to write the three common uh, sins to avoid, ready? Disobedience, he says, seek to please your master. Please him, go the extra mile. From the heart, honor him. Point B, talking back. Don't be argumentative. Don't load yourself up in the mouth honor christ no griping you gripe you argue it's a poor testimony point c no stealing don't embezzle don't take the company supplies home don't waste and, and mess them up but let's go back to this thing about ways to honor god write this in your notes somehow this is good stuff joyce was talking about living with excellence and integrity And I'm always thinking, uh, my friend Bert spoke the other day to our staff and he hit a few of these points. So just listen, I just jotted down some that made sense. Number one, if we want to honor God starting tomorrow morning in the workplace, here's a great practical way. Number one, show up early. Don't just get there on time, show up early. Early bird gets the, you've heard it, okay. Number two. Be in your workstation, ready to go. Not, well, you know, I'm getting here late. I'm going to the coffee pot. I'm going for another pastry. This is around 32. No, get ready to work. Give it your best effort. Point three, give yourself totally to what you do. Be excellent in what you do. It honors Christ. Number four, don't waste time. Don't steal from your employer. They're paying you a fair wage. They're paying you a wage you agreed on. Give them your best. Number five, I love this. Write down this quote. You want promotion? It takes motion. Hello? If you want to get those incentives and those bonuses and you want to keep your job, give it the what? Give it your best. Give it motion. And in the process, when the economy gets better, things turn around, your company makes money, you're probably going to get the promotion. Not a bad deal. Number six, personal calls. Limit the personal calls. Use your break. Use your lunchtime. Y'all, our witness matters to the king. Our witness, he sees all. Those around us, they watch us. They want to see if we have integrity. And here's the seventh. Don't clean your desk off at 4.30 when you get off at 5 o'clock and sit around and wait for the clock to hit 4.59. Man, work, a full day. Is that a good word for the church? Slaves, employees, employers, obey the king. And obey the one over you, the authority thing. It's God's way. But some people are like, well, you know, I don't want to do that. That was too convicting. Well, it's my job to bring fire. It's my job to bring thunder to you. Are y'all glad I bring thunder or you want me to bring you some pansy, weak message that didn't convict anybody? And we just, oh, I just feel good, Pastor. The love of God is a bunch of flowers and we just sit around and hold hands and tiptoe through the tulips together. My goodness, that was Tiny Tim back in the 70s and it was pitiful then. It's really pitiful now. Y'all ever heard of Tiny Tim? Y'all never even heard of Tiny Tim, have you? I wish I'd never heard of him. I mean, right now I can see him with that long hair and that ukulele and it just makes me want to go gag. Okay. I'd go past... You know, if he'd have showed up, I'd have probably passed the stone quicker. Okay, here we go. All right. So, here we go. Quick, quick. The last point i I'm getting there. Or, or right before it says, Adorn is from the word cosmeo. We get the word cosmetics. Now, men, you would never answer this, but women, are y'all grateful for cosmetics? Oh, yes, sir. It covers up the blemishes, and I just feel so pretty. And all the men are thinking, I'm very glad you have cosmetics. Well, here, he says... Adorn yourself. Have an attractive lifestyle that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. That He is beautiful. He is the most beautiful one in all the earth. He is to be exalted over the church. And the church said a big. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Cosmeo Cosmetics. Some of us men, we wish we could get some cosmetics, you know? Uh, anyway, that's another story. Alright, number six. Grace. What does it do? Verses 11 through 15, Titus says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. Point one, grace redeems us. God finds us. He discovers us in Christ. We are saved by redemptive grace. I'm going to do a whole series of Sunday starting right after Easter on grace. I'm so excited about it. Point two, grace reforms us. It changes us. It positions us differently. It gives us a new attitude. And we receive grace from the one who gives grace. We get instructed by grace. We're reformed by grace. And the last one, grace rewards us. We need to be looking for His imminent return. He will come as He left. He will come again. David Jeremiah is preaching and teaching on TV and radio. He's talking a lot about the second coming of Christ. And this is a hope that will not disappoint. This is that second coming of Christ. That we look for His appearing. And we should be eager for it. And it is certain that He will come again just as He said He would. And are we ready for the second coming of Christ? I hope we are. I kid, but I'm I'm really not kidding. The other day, I was hurting so bad. And you've been there. Maybe you've had cancer or heart disease or you've had some problem. Your health is failing. And you're getting enough pain in this earth suit. I remember laying there in that thing the other day, balled up, just hurting. I just said, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because you know it didn't really matter. If you didn't get me some help, I was just ready to go home. And this morning, I just pray We go, God, based on your divine authority, I await your coming again for the church. He'll come, just as he said he would. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for this morning for your amazing love. And Lord, I thank you that grace completes us and grace draws us. So today, God, I pray that you would draw children to the throne. Right now on the right side of the room at the cross, our habit, there are elders there. There are people to assist you in spiritual decisions for Christ, to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, to receive prayer, to receive instruction, to receive whatever it is, maybe to have prayer for them. They anoint with oil. They, they do what the Scripture says. But right now, I just invite people quickly just to move over to that side of the room if you have a spiritual issue you'd like to deal with, and, and there's some people there to help you. Father, I thank you for this teaching from the book of Titus. And I pray you would raise up men and women, boys and girls, that would move toward maturity. And I pray we would make it our goal to become Christ-like from this day forward. Shape your church eternal God by the love of Jesus. We love you, Lord. And I thank you for the feeding today. May you have fed the saints and may we get about our own diligent search of the scriptures even this day before the sun goes down. We love you, God. And God's people gathered together and said, amen and amen. Next weekend, remember, if you get out here, it's going to be closed. Just come around Chantilly to Vaughn Road or come down Vaughn Road and take a left on Ryan. We'll help you figure it out. Hey, I love you. God bless you.